0: The story.
1: When I got alone, it just hit me that, you know, we really could lose this baby. By 11am, honestly, I had 10 medical staff in my room. It was not a private event. There was doctors for me and for my child, and Joshua David was born. But he went straight into the neonatal intensive care unit. There was no cuddles. There was no breastfeeding. He was alive, but he was gone as quick as anything into another room.
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, last time we heard David Harris share his amazing story of transformation from a life of crime, drugs and prison cells. This time, David's wife, Helen, joins us to share her side of the story of how they met. And she's also sharing about some very serious times of grief and loss they experienced as a couple that she's written about in her book called Broken Waters. Broken Waters. Helen Harris is chatting with Eric Scadabo from her and David's home in Bendigo, Victoria. Helen Harris, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you very much. Good to be here.
2: Okay, so you were sitting right next to your husband while he was sharing his whole story. To this day, when you hear it, does it still kind of seem so remarkable? I mean, what is your reaction when you hear him share his story?
1: Oh, it is definitely a remarkable story. And, you know, I was a pretty innocent girl in Bible College. I'd just done my nursing and then I was doing Bible College and ended up next to this rough-looking skinny bloke who um, obviously hadn't maybe known Jesus very long and heard his story that was so different to mine. Um, It certainly touched my heart. I'd never heard anything quite like it.
2: Yeah. Now, we should back up and say you became a Christian at six years old and were pretty much a strong Christian throughout your life. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. I, um, My dad was a pastor at one stage, and I got to know Jesus early
2: mm-hmm.
1: and had just lived really quite an adventurous and exciting Christian life. Not saying nothing went wrong, but certainly yeah. um, mm-hmm. it was a lots of good. I um, did my nursing, as I said, and then I went on and did Bible college. I became a youth pastor and was um, at the church in Box Hill where David... Or end up at the church in Boxer where David was as well, where we got to know each other.
2: Mm-hmm. So now, as David said last time, there was an assignment at Bible school where two people were paired up and they had to share their testimonies with each other. And as it turned out, the two of you were paired up and you heard some of his somewhat bizarre, crazy testimony. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. I heard his story, which was really impactful on mine, And I felt like I didn't have much of a story because I'd only ever known God. <laughs> but yeah. he... Uh, it was just an amazing encounter, I guess, of just hearing opposite stories.
2: And he was jealous of you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which I understand. You know, it is amazing when you get spared all the pain that he, you know, experienced through his life.
2: And the irony is, is that sometimes people who have pretty much lived a strong Christian life their whole lives sometimes are like, oh, I feel so bad because I don't have that strong testimony like the former drug addict. Yeah. But uh, if you had talked to David, he's like, no, 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 you don't want my kind of testimony. Is that pretty much yeah. what he'd say?
1: Yeah, definitely. And what we recognize is that, um, like I had a great testimony, and I know Jesus in my life, and it kept building. And I think that was just a fantastic platform for when things didn't go right in my life.
3: Mm.
1: Um, it actually gave a grid for how to keep processing life with God, mm-hmm. because certainly when... You know, wrong in, uh, in lots of different ways But it certainly helps to know about God To have that character being built inside And yeah, mm-hmm. I'm very grateful
2: And so, the two of you met When did it go from just um, an acquaintance To something yeah. romantic?
1: Oh, well, it took a while uh, Like, certainly I saw David um, he, as, as I said, we ended up in the same church And I saw him going through a transformational journey you know, he was kind of the crazy spiritual one who was getting all this healing and had a testimony. And so I I just watched that. But we became friends over quite a few years Mm and he would visit, I lived in a house full of girls and he'd pop in and visit and, you know, he was just good fun to have around. And eventually we realized that we were great friends and then it just moved on to, actually I think we're meant to be together, and mm. um, he was all the time going through his own transformation as I was in my own way as well, mm-hmm. and it came to the place where we realized that we were actually life partners. So, wow! Um, yeah, we ended up getting married, and we eventually really started to begin from there.
2: And I should say, as a side note, that uh, your husband has written the book certified, but actually, let's be honest, you wrote it, didn't you? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so um, I also... <laughs> You're good for book, him. Yeah, and um, but it's certainly his story and his voice. Um, mm. And I also, uh, the second book, which is another story, Broken Waters, which is a story that came after we were married.
2: Yeah, so that's what we want to talk about today. You have your own book that you've written about your experiences called Broken Waters. Where does that book start?
1: Well, um, the story of that really started after we got married. Mm-hmm. We fell pregnant within 12 months and it was really at the 18-week ultrasound where we discovered that we were told our baby probably had Down syndrome, which was not a problem. It just meant that we had to adjust and work Mm -hmm. out, okay, we were not expecting that. Mm -hmm. Um, We ended up being offered an amniocentesis and it actually came back that there was no DNA abnormalities found, which was really interesting, cool, okay, Mm -hmm. But one thing it did say, actually, was that we definitely had XY chromosome. So we knew for sure we were having a little baby boy. Mm -hmm. Um, From that point, right away in the womb, we were able to call him Joshua David by name. certainly didn't tell our friends, but we started to really bond with our unborn baby right early on. Mm -hmm. And even though we were told that the humerus and the femur and his rib cage were perhaps a little smaller than they would have expected... They didn't know anything was wrong at that point. And so, yeah, it was just a really amazing thing to be able to start that bonding time. I remember actually going into the Great Ocean Road and um we went for a swim. I just I was fully pregnant. It was in December and just going into those waves and wondering how much he could hear and he could see through my belly and just really knowing this is like his first ocean swim, you know, mm. and, yeah. We were praying all would be well. We were expecting it would be. We were both faith-filled Christians at the time, and um,
2: yeah, this is your first child, so all yeah. the uh, excitement of having your first child being born. But then, um, obviously, there was some uncertainty in all.
1: Yeah, that. well, at thirty weeks, I went into labour, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously way too early. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got a ended up in an ambulance in a bumpy ride down to Melbourne. Um, ended up in a labour ward down there, and with. You know, given a couple of tests, and the test came back saying that I had a ten percent chance that this child would be actually born alive, which mm. was absolutely devastating, as you yeah. can imagine. Yeah. Um, I'd been put on bento to suppress my labour, and you know, when I got alone, um, it just hit me that you know we really could lose this baby. So I was in this just anyone who's lost a child would be understandable how um. Crushed you are when you yeah. realise that could potentially happen. But anyway, the next morning on the twentieth of December, I actually woke up at five am in quite intense labour. Um, but this overwhelming feeling of God's presence was also in the room, and even though I was just separated by a flimsy little curtain in this labour ward from whoever was next to me, I found myself worshiping and 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 knowing God was there. And so it was. You know, really amazing to just go, okay, we're, we're just going into this dark tunnel, but I'm not alone. And mm. by 11 a.m., honestly, I had 10 medical staff in my room. It was not a private event. Mm. Um, there was doctors for me and for my child, and Joshua David was born. But he went straight into the neonatal intensive care unit. There was no cuddles. There was no mm. breastfeeding. He wow. was alive, but he was gone as quick as anything into another room. So that's how I started motherhood.
2: Yeah, very um, difficult, I'd imagine.
1: You know, Joshua, it ends up that he had a very rare genetic condition called asphyxiating thoracic dystrophy. Mm-hmm. And that basically meant that some of the bones of his body grew too small. So, his, as I said, his humerus, his femur, and his rib cage. And they really did not know how he was going to go, whether he would live or die. So we had a lot of people praying. We knew Mm. lots of people in different nations even praying for us. But it was right on Christmas so we ended up having a really lovely Christmas. But in the uh, neonatal ward in the intensive care ward there we'd been staying with friends uh, because we were living in Bendigo so we just hung out in Melbourne that whole time. And we you know, actually on Boxing Day we were called to rush into the hospital because they just had to resuscitate him. He had, he died, they'd brought him back. Mm. Um, but after many up and down moments over like 20 days, we were actually fighting ourselves back in the ward, um, which we got quite used to the rhythm of being in there and hanging out with our little, little fighting man. Mm. And, um, quite almost unexpectedly one day a nurse that had been looking after him came to us and she just said, listen, his blood results, his oxygen results aren't doing too well. unless they improve, he's going to come off all the ventilator and everything, which would mean he died. Mm. And we suddenly just, we just broke down because we knew that wow, this is really serious. We didn't actually expect that to happen. We were still very hopeful that he would live and we were face-filled for that to happen. So we just needed to wait for this blood test to come back and we waited and we waited and I don't know exactly how this happened but the nurse didn't come back straight away and another nurse came maybe on a lunch break or something and we said, you know, what's this result? Um, We haven't heard back yet. And she said, oh, I'll go and find out. Came back and said, oh, yeah, gave us the result. And we just broke down. And she had no idea that she had just pierced our heart with a sword (laughs) to say, your son is about to die. Oh, wow. So we, we ended up taking him into the side room. And just he did die. We held him. And that was, you know, the time when he actually passed away, and it was, like, just devastating as new Mm. parents to experience that.
2: At the 20-day mark, you said?
1: Yeah, so after 20 days, um, just knowing that he lost, we lost so much opportunity of life, you know, with that, and, of course, we went on and we had a funeral. Mm -hmm. Um, On the morning of the funeral, I actually spent time with God, and I, I was journaling all the time. I've done a lot of journaling in my life, and... So I look looked back later, so I was able to verify what I journaled, and I can remember hearing God say into my heart at that point that I would have another little boy. Mm-hmm. But, of course, I didn't want to hear that at that time. Yeah, I was just burying my first son and just standing at the grave of your own child, seeing that little white coffin going mm-hmm. to the ground. It's just something that you don't want to ever experience.
0: You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scatabow is chatting with Helen Harris, the wife of our guest last time, Pastor David Harris. Helen's sharing about some very serious times of loss and grief in their lives, which she's written about in her book, Broken Waters. We'll hear more of their story and how it eventually takes a turn for the better when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1 800 Pray for Me. That's 1 800 772 936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scatterbo chatting with Helen Harris, who's the wife of our guest last time, Pastor David Harris. Helen is the author of the book Broken Waters about her journey through the disappointment of loss and what God teaches her through it all. Before the break, we heard how her firstborn son Joshua died at 20 days old. Now we'll hear what happened next in their lives.
1: And we still did desire a family. We were still newly married, really. But, you know, there was a lot of risk in that and we certainly had... Experienced deep pain and grief, Yeah. and because of the condition, it was it was one in four chance of this happening again. But however, um, within months we were pregnant, and once again, but this time we knew what we were up against, and we yeah. just knew we needed to trust God. Um,
2: now, was there some medical reasons why, why there was a possibility of uh, yeah, this it happening was again? Just
1: a, a a DNA thing. So it was just because. Dave and I both carried a recessive gene, mm-hmm. so that meant that there was one in four chance that any child we had would have this condition. That mm-hmm. the, um, it's the the way the child would be born. So okay. certainly very high risk of um, it potentially happening again.
3: Okay, and it was
1: the sort of thing that could only be diagnosed at a twenty week ultrasound. Mm-hmm. But again, we just we're going to. We just fought in faith, believing for yeah. um, everything to go. We, we tried every formula we knew how, you know. Um, as growing up in the church, there's lots of things. We certainly prayed and they fasted and we just did, you know, you name it. We just like, okay, let's do what we can here. But mm-hmm. uh, as it turned out, it, it was good to get past that 30 week mark, you know, and keep going on. But at 33 weeks, I went into labor again. We had found out that we were expecting a child that had the same condition. Mm. So we just kept fighting in our faith, um, believing now for our daughter to live and for everything to happen well. But at 33 weeks this time, again, I went into labor. And this time I was actually taken by a flight down to Melbourne. Mm. And then to cut a long story short, Emily was born on australia day.
3: Oh, okay. And
1: so, it was a quite different experience for her because this time we knew what we were facing. The doctors knew a lot more about it and so we were told that she had to keep improving every single day. And we were still believing in faith that God can do a work. He can bring healing. He can he can heal in my womb, he can heal outside the womb. Um, mm, yep. and we'd already experienced the death of a child. We didn't think we needed to go through that again. Yeah. Um, But as it turned out, after eight days, Emily also didn't have the capacity in her lungs to blow off the CO2, and it just ended up that after, you know, she had a much easier life than Joshi, but she still died after eight days. Oh, and I'm so sorry again, to hear that. Yeah. Well, once again, we found ourselves... You know, in the devastation of a funeral, and standing at that same place, and another a little white coffin. Mm, yeah. And um, so, so tough, and so, so many questions of why this is happening. Um, one of the things that I recognised at that time, my revelation I was getting from God was that His grace is really powerful, and you know, a lot of people would say, oh, I couldn't possibly go through what you've been through, but I recognize that actually God gives us what we need Mm. right when we need it. He doesn't Mm. give it to us when we don't need it. Like, um, if you're not going through something, you don't need the grace for it right then, but like, God's grace was there for us, even though it was tough. You know, I'd find myself crying through church services, and Mm. I actually said to God, I don't think you've got a very nice way of loving me. You know, but it's just how you feel. You're yeah. kind of you're so crushed by it, and Mother's Day was so painful. Oh, and yeah. Seeing parents with prams down the path, you know, you'd be suffering torment through that and yeah. the grief. You know, it, it actually pops up in all sorts of unexpected places, mm-hmm. and there'd be a trigger like something like a, you know, our fish would die or mm-hmm. they have cut down a tree I didn't want him to cut down, and I'd just get triggered into anger or, or some sort of grief. Um, you know, just yeah. popping up.
2: So that must have been devastating, and yeah, every time you're seeing a pram go by, it's it's hurting, breaking your heart. Where was your relationship with the Lord? I mean, how did you feel toward Him through all this? You had been a faithful Christian your whole life, and all of a sudden, were you feeling abandoned?
1: Look, my emotions, you know, were on a roller coaster ride. That's mm-hmm. for sure. But there was one thing we knew that we could trust him even if we didn't understand. And that is one thing that we did. We were able to, sometimes we, look, we don't always understand why things are happening, but if you can say, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you anyway, Mm. it's amazing the stability that brings to life, even in the storm. One thing that happens which was interesting was we went to a church service in Melbourne Mm -hmm. of a friend of ours, and... This lady, who we really um, respect, had this prophetic word where she said, oh, I see you with a child. I see the young child running towards you." And and at the same time, in my mind's eye, I get this picture of this little curly-haired boy running past. And I was like, "Well, now I would not recommend that you do that for people, but to, to get their hopes
2: actually, up, right? That could yeah, be that's devastating. I right. wouldn't
1: want to get that wrong.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, uh, but it, it sort of landed and." If you remember, there was this word that I felt on Joshie's day of his funeral that God would give me a boy. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to just, it landed at that seed of hope, that faith just was in my heart. Mm -hmm. And that watered the seed in my heart and that we would one day have a child. And David and I, we didn't want to really take the risk of encountering pain again because there were no guarantees but I just knew that God wanted us to have a family on earth, not Mm. just in heaven. Mm -hmm. So we took the risk again. And in 2000, we did end up having a perfectly healthy baby girl. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. um, Rebecca Joy was born. Um, Rebecca means captivating. And when I said to God about her name, it's not captivating, it's captivating Joy. And that's exactly what she's Mm. been like. She's, just a brilliant young lady now, but she wasn't the boy that God had promised. Yeah, I was going to say,
2: you had that seed planted in your heart that you were going to have a baby boy.
1: Yeah, and so I just still felt like there was more to Mm -hmm. come, Yeah, but over the next two years, I ended up having two more early stage miscarriages, and Mm. to be honest with you, it just all became too hard.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I'm surprised Um, you... Kind of lasted this long. I mean, it's just very, very <laughs> difficult what you're going through.
1: Yeah, but the next month I was pregnant with our um, our boy Jeremiah. So we call him Jay, and he was born in 2003, and he's a great delight, a lot of fun, and very ah, smart. And
2: so the prophecy came true.
1: So that's right. I remember I was just sitting in my house one day, and suddenly I. Um, just saw my curly blonde haired boy run past and I just had this revelation just around then that, oh, that was like a moment that God had shown me in time. It's like, mm. it's almost like I'd seen it before type feeling and just knowing that all those years earlier, God had promised, you know, you will have kids and it wasn't just anyone. It was actually, he saw Jeremiah and he saw Rebecca and he promised them to mm. us. Sure even though we were going through loss, and even though we went through more loss, you know, even from when that promise was first made. So, yeah, yeah it was um, just, he can be trusted and he mm-hmm. does keep his promises.
2: Yeah, we just don't know
1: the twists and turns in the journey. Yeah, that's right. It's certainly, I, you know, we, and there's a lot of pain that we can go through, but mm-hmm. what I found is that God heals our pain and mm-hmm. he is able to turn our beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning as we trust in Him. And so that's certainly something I've learned in that I don't have pain in my heart over this anymore. I Mm -hmm. don't feel that pain. And um, it's good to be free and good to be able to continue to trust God no matter what.
2: Yeah. Now, obviously, this had to be a very difficult, painful experience. But then, eventually, you and David became pastors of your own church. I imagine this has helped you in relating to people in your church who go through difficult times
1: yeah we were in business for eight years and mm-hmm. then we planted the church in Bendigo and have done that for over 15 years now and certainly so many people have so many different experiences in life but mm-hmm. I can see how God has used what we've been through to help bring healing to so many others mm-hmm. it's, it's extraordinary really
2: well Helen Harris thank you so much for sharing your story with us today
1: my pleasure thank you for asking
0: well, what a story of incredible faithfulness through the storms of life. Having gone through so much loss, Helen Harris remained faithful to God, trusting that he would do for her what he'd done for so many others who had remained faithful to him in the Bible. As it says in Isaiah, God comforts all who mourn and provides for those who grieve, a crown of beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and a garment of praise in in place of a spirit of despair. Our God is faithful, and He hears our cries in the midst of our sorrows. He will never leave us or forsake us. Helen says she wants to remind everyone that you are more precious to Jesus than you could ever imagine, and God's goodness is better than you currently comprehend it to be, and we can turn to Him in our pain. Well, if you'd like to learn more about Helen's book, Broken Waters, you can go to her website, Broken Waters, the book. Dot com. That's brokenwatersthebook.com. Thanks for joining us for Helen Harris's story. And until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today.
1: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.